A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Alarmy. Before we get started, we wanted to make sure you heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as our aftermath post-interview discussion and final verdict. We'll also be putting out additional bonus episodes and other fun stuff. Here's a preview of our Little Alarms series, only available on Patreon. Books are so vulnerable. Just a little piece of water. I know, a bunch of paper. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I know. Mm -hmm. Fire and water are not its friend. But it beats They're so rock. sensitive. But it beats rock. It beats Why does it beat rock? Covers it. It's true. <laughs> and how yeah. does that beat it? People ignore it once it's covered. It you can throw a rock at, rock at a book. That's not, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. But do you oh. throw a fireball or a water ball at a book? That's not a good idea. Yeah. No. No. So throw a rock. <laughs> Everyone start going into bookstores with rocks. <laughs> okay. This yeah, is definitely this is making you're a here. lot of sense. Okay, good. <laughs> is that clear, this Tina? This episode of yeah. Little Alarms Tina, you got that? <laughs> not really helpful, but it's educational in so many ways. Okay. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist and subscribe today. Now, on to our episode. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Will Survive. Will is an author and criminologist with a Bachelor in Science in Criminal Justice and a concentration in Forensic Science. Will specializes in true crime stories and horror and is the author of Mentally Ill in Amityville. Let's hear what he has to say about the Amityville murders. Will, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Love the show. 
we were hoping you could start off by giving us some background on on this family that we're about to discuss. Who were Ronald and Louise DeFeo? What was their marriage like? Sure. Well, Ronald and uh, Lo, Ronald Joseph DeFeo, aka Big Ronnie, was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, where he met and married his wife Lois Brigante. Uh, they moved into 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville in the summer of 1965. It's a, a splendid Dutch colonial home built in 1925. And uh, it had a lamppost, uh, a lamppost sign on the, in the front yard with a sign hanging from it that read High Hopes, which uh, basically served as a mantra for the family. Mm. Uh, they were a very religious family. They had a lot of religious artifacts to be seen uh, in and around the house. And um, at a glance, you know, they were the perfect American family. Mm. And, and, and they soon after they married had four children. Correct. Uh, who were they and what was the dynamic within the, di- the DeFeo family? Uh, the four children were Ronald De- uh, Joseph DeFeo Jr., who was 23 at the time of the murders, uh, Dawn Teresa DeFeo, who was 18 at the time of the murders, Allison uh, Lois DeFeo, who was 13, Mark Gregory DeFeo was 12, and John Matthew DeFeo was nine at the time of the murders. The dynamic of the family appeared to be just a typical uh, American family, but uh, behind closed doors, there was a lot of abuse, uh, all uh, mostly all perpetrated by uh, Big Ronnie, the father. Uh, who's by all accounts and purposes was uh, was was a monster. Mm. When did the DeFeo family move into the house at uh, 112 Ocean Ave? Can you tell us a little bit about the actual house? The house, it was uh, it's roughly 4,000 square, uh, 4,000 square foot home. It sits on a, a quarter acre lot. Mm. The village is beautiful. It's tastely affluent and has a certain comfortable you know serenity to it. Uh, it's, it sits, the front door actually faces the neighbor's home and it sits Mm. on a 237 foot long driveway. It's basically, that is because, uh, there was a house on there. And, uh, if you go into my book, you can actually, uh, I describe where the house is. There was a house there and they moved it, uh, over to another part of Long Island on a corner. I forget the name of the street, but, uh, they, and they put this house there and it was actually too big to sit. Uh, fate with the front door facing the street. So those, so where you have those two infamous uh, quarter moon eyes facing the street, that looks like a face. Um, oh. So that's why you know you get that. Uh, the inside of the home is just as beautiful as the outside. There's, it's a two story home that has several rooms, a combination bathhouse, garage uh, that sits on the Amityville Creek, and an attic that's so big that it serves as a third floor. There's a full, there's also, there was a, there is, and still is a, there was, and still is a full livable basement. The living room had an, it had an adjoining sun porch. The kitchen had a breakfast nook and there were six bedrooms, a formal dining room and a patio entrance. And the house had, uh, you know, the, had two and a half bathrooms. Beautiful. So very large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the family, uh, eventually, uh, moves in, resides there, right. uh, Butch, the 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 oldest of the of the four children, uh, also Ronald Jr., um, mm-hmm. he had a difficult relationship with his father. What was that like? Uh, well, Ronnie, 
Ronnie was born on September 26, 1951 in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, they move as an adolescent. He was overweight and he was bullied a lot. And uh, his father encouraged him to stick up for himself. However, he didn't, he didn't encourage him to stick up for himself at home. Uh, mm. as if you know, talking back and all that kind of stuff was certainly discouraged. According to Ronnie, Mr. DeFeo was, like I said, a monster and a bully. He would go around at quote unquote beating up everyone. Uh, Ronnie had run away from home several times. Ronnie said that he couldn't take it anymore and uh right before the murders it was uh you know the intolerable abuse uh ronnie spoke to spoke uh, of one time of mr defeo beating up his younger brother mark so bad that they had to sew up his head wow. amityville police officer bert borkin testified that he witnessed mr defeo throwing a chair at ronnie at the defeo house just five days before the murders wow um there was testimony of mr defeo beating up mrs defeo in the presence of ronnie uh, and his friends and his lawyer, William Weber, stated that his friends were so afraid to enter the house, you know, because they were scared of Big Ronnie. So it was it was a really tumultuous, uh, tough relationship, all perpetrated by uh, Big Big Ronnie. Yeah, it sounds like the violence was really escalating in their relationship. What was uh, Ronald Jr.'s life like outside of his family? Well, the, the abuse in the house certainly affected uh, Butch in many ways. He started acting out in school uh, at Amityville Junior High. He began having problems with teachers and getting into fights with other students and his grades plummeted. And, uh, you know, he, even, he threw uh, he threw chairs at teachers and, and uh, you know, wrecked classrooms. So I think he was kind of, I guess, following in his father's footsteps. He, he, he didn't know how to react any other way because that was his role model he uh he was thrown out of school actually after fighting bad grades and other things um you know this took him they took him to see a psychiatrist named uh, dr uh, i think it was it's f-r-i-e-d so i believe it's freed or fried and um he chose clinical therapy methods instead of uh you know prescriptions or anything else uh, mm. people say that it helped a little but the family uh then decided to send him to St. Francis Prep School on Baltic Street in Brooklyn, where he started ninth grade. Mm. Uh, after wreaking havoc there as well, his, you know, his, I guess his uh, attitude got worse and worse, and he was sent to Amityville High School the following year, still in ninth grade. So he got left back. Mm. Um, by the time he was 18 years old, he was, you know, he had his bouts with LSD, heroin, and he drank regularly. And he was he was by all accounts uh, a pretty pretty bad alcoholic. And he he eventually starts to work in the family business, right? Um, what was that family business? Um, and 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 I, I know that weeks before the murder, he is caught stealing from this business. What happened there? Right, well, he was he was working uh, at the Brigante Paul. Buick dealership on Coney Island Ave in Brooklyn. Uh, that was his grandfather's uh, place. So basically, that was his mother's father, who basically uh, was was uh, you know owned the place. And 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 he actually said at one point that the, his father felt emasculated because you know everything that he had gained was through the, the his father-in-law. But uh, mm. getting back to your question. Um, 
So it was on October, I'm sorry, excuse me, it was on November 1st, 1974, at approximately 2.40 p.m., uh, Butch and a co-worker from the dealership were tasked to take $1,900 in cash and $20,000 in certified checks over uh, to the bank for deposit. They about the two of them returned about two hours later, claiming that they were robbed at gunpoint while in their car waiting at a red light at the intersection of Cordy La Road and uh, Argyle Street in Brooklyn. Big Ronnie was I uh, was obviously, uh, you know, disappointed, didn't believe him. And Butch was acting suspicious and erratic, you know, banging on car hoods and stuff mm. when the police were there asking him what was going on and what happened. Police asked him to come to the station about a week later to view mugshots of potential suspects and criminals in the area. Uh, Butch accepted at first, but then refused at the last minute. And that was mm. six days before the murders. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that didn't sit well. It didn't help their relationship at home. No, I think their relationship was already fractured beyond repair by that point. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Can you 
walk us through the events that occurred then on November 13, 1974? Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll go through the official version, basically. Um, it, it, on Tuesday, November 12th, you know, the family sat down for dinner together. It was the last dinner they'd ever have together. Later that night, they got dressed in their night clothes and went to bed. Mm-hmm. It's basically how the official story goes. Butch claims that he awoke the next morning. He heard the toilet flush and saw his brother Mark's wheelchair in front of the bathroom door. Uh, he Then he left for work. He arrived at the Bugatti Hall Buick dealership uh, at about 7 a.m. Uh, Mr. DeFeo didn't show up for work, but this wasn't uncommon as he was uh, often away on business and didn't really check you know, or tell any, any of his coworkers. Butch left work. At a, he called his girlfriend, Mindy Weiss, 19 years old at the time, uh, at around 11 a.m., left work uh, to meet her at around, uh, around noon. On the way there, driving, he, he saw Bobby Kelsky, his best friend. Uh, they turned around, they stopped, they, they uh, you know, talked for a little while, and then they, uh, they made plans to meet up later. He arrived at Mindy's house at around 1 p.m. They went to the Sunrise Mall in Massapequa, where they went to do some early uh, Christmas shopping. And I, I, I believe it was heroin or, or that they that they were doing. I mean, they were they were oh. definitely high. Uh, Butch made it a point though to call home several times and tell Mindy that there was no one answering, which was you know obviously in hindsight was very suspicious. After that, Butch went to Bobby's house at around 3 p.m. And he again made it a point to tell Bobby that there was no one answering the phone at his house, but he never you know, went home. Ronnie then went to his favorite bar, O'Henry's, at around 4 p.m. He had a few drinks and then headed home. And just after 6 p.m., he dramatically swung the door open at O'Henry's bar and ran over to his best friend, Bobby, and said, Bobby, Bobby, you got to help me, he shouted. Uh, I think my mother and father are shocked. And Bobby was obviously bewildered, you know, by this uh, by this news. He said, are you sure that they're not just sleeping? And um, Ronnie said, no, no. You know, he exclaimed, I, I, I saw them up there. So Butch, Bobby, and four others, including the bar owner, rushed over to the house, which was only, you know, a, a, like a couple blocks away. Uh, Bobby went upstairs to the second floor master bedroom and saw – the parents, you know, shot and 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 smelt its awful smell. Uh, John Altieri witnessed John and Mark's bodies upstairs, and Joey Yeswit made the infamous nine one one call at six thirty p.m. Uh, officer Kenneth Gruguski was the first officer that arrived on the scene, and followed by Patrolman Edwin Tyndall. They both discovered the two sisters as well. Uh, it was obviously a horrific scene, and uh, Butch was seen crying and animated, and uh, you know, by all accounts, it didn't seem very, like he was doing anything suspicious at the time. At the time of the crime, what was uh, Ronald Jr. charged with, and 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 what was that trial like? How how did his lawyers approach his defense? Um. Well, they tried. They they. William Weber basically tried to get a, he pled insanity and they tried to make him seem like he was insane. And William Weber, according to Linnea Anonymous, was coercing 
all of the people testifying for the defense uh, to say that Ronnie was insane. And, they, and he would not speak basically to you know any other angle. It was the longest trial at that point in Suffolk County history. Um, he was charged with. Uh, so basically, this is what happened, which is which is wild that on November 19th, 1975, the jury came back and after deliberating with a 10 to 2 decision. So they had to go back and deliberate further. And on, two days later, on, on November 21st, 1975, Ronald Butch Bale was uh, convicted of all six murders in the second degree and sentenced to six consecutive 25 to life sentences. Wow. And I believe it was something about you can't have first degree unless it's like a police officer who was, who was killed. So that's why I believe it was second degree. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, um. Now... He uh, Ronald Jr. eventually goes to uh, prison and a new family comes into the picture. Right. Who are the who were the Lutz and how did this come about? Uh, well, the Lutz family uh, moved into the house uh, about 11 months, so 12 or 13 months, something around there uh, later after the murders. Um, they. You know, they loved the house. Uh, they were not, uh, they stayed there for about 28 days. Supposedly, there was a lot of crazy things that obviously happened. That, as you've heard, beds were moving, people were levitating. Um, you know, after 28 days, they left with the with the clothes in their backs. The Warrens did a, an investigation in the house. There was a lot of uh, incidents that occurred. Um you know, Laura Didio, uh, reporter and her crew, a couple things happened to them. Laura, I don't think, uh, experienced anything, but her crew was short of breath. There was a lot of weird things they did. Uh, they had a medium in there. Uh, they, one of the most famous things that came about at, of that investigation was the ghost boy. They put a camera in there overnight and the doors were locked and it just flashed, flash, flash, nonstop all night, took thousands of pictures. And years later, uh, you know, George Lutz's um, George Lutz's secretary came across this picture of this boy who kind of looks like one of the Fayo children with his with like completely like light white eyes peering from out of the bedroom uh, looking at the camera. Wow, it's really scary. So <laughs> that is all, so scary. Yeah, by all accounts and purposes, it, it, that that was not a scam. So. Now, what has become of the house these days? Is it still terrorizing uh, locals of Amityville like you? <laughs> uh, well, um, I had some weird things happen to me. I mean, I was when I was going to first of all, we were having a couple of drinks, me and me, a friend of mine. And I was working on I had just written a, like a, a small book on, on communication or whatever. And I was looking to get into true crime. That's my, you know, my degree and everything. So I started working on the Jonestown book and it took me many years, but I actually wound up putting this down, putting the Jonestown book down to write this book. So we're having a couple of drinks and he had told me, Hey, we should, we should go visit this Amityville house, you know? So we went up, we took some pictures and we had these orbs in it and it was very, very strange. I didn't, I didn't actually detail this in the book and I still have those pictures. And I had, we went to Bergen community college in uh, New Jersey and we actually, uh, I knew somebody in the photography department and they analyzed the photos. They ruled out pollen and, you know, dust particles and water and all that stuff and said that they, did, they had no idea what these orbs were. So that obviously piqued my interest. 
And then as time went on, I kept waking up at 3.15 every morning. No joke, no lie. Every morning. At one point, I what, what kind of tipped the scales for me is when I woke up. At, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm like, it can't be 3.15. I'm just going to put my phone like under the bed and I wouldn't look at it. I waited like 10 minutes. I looked, it was 3.15. I said, something's going on. I got, I got it. And then there was something else that happened when I got, when we got back after we took those photos, I had a wine fridge and I heard like a pop and this wine was like dripping out of the fridge and came like right to my feet, the red wine. Like, and it, it was at my foot and it was very straight. So, so that kind of pushed me over the edge and said, maybe, maybe something wants me to write this book, you know? Um, so, so it was weird, but what came of the house, uh, you know, I don't know if it's still terrorizing people uh, from, from what I've heard, the owners say that there's nothing going on in there. The Cromartis, uh, who moved in first after the Lutzes, they actually changed the address from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 in order to throw off unexpected visitors. They changed the house around, they changed the color, they took the quarter moon windows out to try to make it less spooky. Um, you know, they tr they went on That's Incredible, they tried to debunk everything in Jay Anson's book. Uh, but, you know, I mean, who, I, who knows what supernatural, you know, what occurs. Um, yeah. You know, did they did they, did the spirit move somewhere else? Was it, I don't know, who knows? I don't, <laughs> or was it even there in the first place? I don't know, I'm just here to document, I'm not, really here to, to, to tell you exactly what happens. I want people to make up their own minds. Right. So at the end of the day, we always ask our guest experts the same question. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the Amity Mil Amityville murders. Mm -hmm. Who or what would that be? I mean, that <laughs> that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, look, if, if I at the end of the day, if I have to decide, I'd say Ronnie the fan Jr. was a lunatic. But but there's just so many things. So I, it's very hard for me to put my finger on it because you had Dr. Adelman even at the end of his testimony saying that he was mystified how one person could have killed all six people. Uh, William Weber did tests with the rifle because no one heard the shots and got out of bed. So he did tests with the rifle. You could hear that rifle even with the windows closed five blocks away. I mean, it's a, right. it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a big blast. Ultimately, we have to go with the verdict. But there's going to be questions forever. No one's ever going to, going to know exactly what happened in the house that. Well, well, thanks again for for joining us today and for um, helping us understand more about this um, horrific crime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love the show and, and keep doing what you guys are doing. If you'd like to hear our post-interview discussion and final verdict, head over to Patreon and subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. Check out our show notes for a link or head over to patreon.com slash the alarmist. And stay tuned because next week we'll be discussing Halloween the movie. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.